Chapter twenty six of Pixie O'Shaughnessy by Mrs. George de Horn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The sentence that afternoon and the next day passed away like a nightmare, and still the major lay in the same helpless calm. Mr. Hilliard had gone over to Dublin on his own responsibility and had come back late at night bringing with him a trained nurse at the sight of whom bridgie shed tears of thankfulness but during the daytime the sisters took it in turns to watch by the bedside while mademoiselle seemed to act the part of guardian angel to the whole household in turns she soothed the excited servants and roused them to a sense of their duty she cooked dainty little dishes for the nurses and ministered to them when they were off duty she interviewed callers and last and best of all took pixie in hand and kept her interested and content it was the strong wish of her brothers and sisters that pixie should not suspect the dangerous nature of her father's illness for they knew her excitable nature and trembled for the effect on the invalid of one of her passionate bursts of lamentation besides what's the use let her be happy as long as she can i want her to be happy cried bridgie pathetically and mademoiselle assented knowing full well that the very effort of keeping up before the child would be good for the rest of the household there was no preventing one interview however for the major was as much set on seeing his piccaninny as she was determined to see him so on the evening of the second day bridgie led her cautiously into the room and the sick man moved his eyes the only part of him that seemed able to move and looked wistfully into the eager face well my pixie i've been getting into trouble you see does it hurt ye father have you got a pain never a bit pixie i'm just numb i feel as if i can't move i felt the same myself many times i feel it every morning at school when the gong rings and i'm made to get up it's the same as being lazy the major smiled for the first time since his return home he never could resist pixie's quaint speeches and bridgie watched with delight his brightening glance is it piccaninny that doesn't sound very serious you'll have to tell the doctor to be stern with me what have you been doing with yourself all day fretting for you but mademoiselle's going to play games with me and i'll enjoy them now that you're comfortable you've got on the very best pillow-cases father you do look smart are you tired now do you want to go to sleep will i sing to you a while the hymn you liked so much at church last sunday bridgie looked dismayed at the suggestion but it appeared that pixie knew best what would please her father for once more his face brightened and the eyes flashed in assent on sunday evenings in winter when the long dark walk made it difficult to get to church the o'shaughnessys had been accustomed to sing hymns together not in the drawling slipshod method in which such singing is too often done but with at least as much care and finish as they would have bestowed on secular music 
the different parts being accurately represented and due attention given to time and expression in this way delightful hours had been spent and many beautiful hymns imprinted on the memory so that in this instance pixie had no need to consult a book she merely leant against the bedpost clasped her hands together and opening her lips began at once to sing with clear full-throated sweetness come unto me ye weary and i will give you rest the beautiful old words seemed to take upon themselves an added significance in the shaded room with a motionless figure lying upon the bed the major shut his eyes and bridgie turned aside with quivering face but the flute-like voice went on without a tremor come unto me ye fainting and i will give you light o cheering voice of jesus which comes to end our strife the foe is stern and eager the fight is fierce and long but he has made us mighty and stronger than the strong there was a slight quickening of time in the last two lines a clearer stronger tone as the singer's emotional nature caught the triumph in the words but the last verse was soft as an echo and whosoever cometh i will not cast him out o welcome voice of jesus which drives away our doubt which calls us very sinners unworthy though we be of love so free and boundless to come dear lord to the major's face was in shadow but bridgie saw the big tears rolling down his cheeks and hurried the little sister from the room you sang beautifully darling it was sweet of you to think of it but now we must let him be quiet i think perhaps he will go to sleep yes he says he feels lazy the major was always fond of his bed cried pixie skipping blithely down the staircase but when bridgie went back to the sick-room her father's eyes were fixed eagerly on the doorway and he said in urgent tones bride i'm wanting to see o'brien send down for him at once and when he arrives let him come up alone i want to have a talk bridgie obeyed in fear and trembling had something in the sweet though solemn words of the hymn arrested the sick man's attention and given him a conviction of his own danger she sent the faithful dennis in search of the doctor and in less than an hour's time the two old friends were once more face to face o'brien said the major clearly i want you to answer me a question before i sleep shall i ever hunt again and at this the doctor heaved a sigh of relief 
for he had feared a more direct inquiry and consequently one more difficult to answer not this season my boy you must make up your mind to that a spill like yours takes a little time to recover you must be easy and make yourself happy at home o'brien shall i ever hunt again the doctor put his hand to his head in miserable embarrassment he had known handsome jack o'shaughnessy since he was a boy in knickerbockers it was more than he could stand to look him in the face and give him his death warrant now 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 he cried impatiently it isn't like you major to be worrying your head about what is going to happen next year keep still and be thankful you've got a comfortable bed to lie on and two of the prettiest daughters in ireland to wait upon you when next season comes it will answer for itself but i'm not a prophet i can't foretell the future the major looked in his face with bright steady eyes you foolish fellow he cried you foolish fellow you were always a bad hand at deception and you are no cleverer than usual this evening what are you afraid of man i'm not a coward if my time's come i can face it calmly back injured eh? that's why i felt no pain but it's difficult to realize that an injury is hopeless when one is so comparatively comfortable how long will it be he was perfectly calm but the doctor was trembling with emotion and his voice was rough with tears i can't say you are very ill old man i won't deceive you but while there is life there is hope we are going to have a man from dublin we will try every means and you must help us by keeping up your heart one never knows what changes may take place but the major only looked at him the more steadily and repeated his question how long will it be i ought to know so that i may do what i can for the children i haven't been the best of fathers to them and the estate is in a rare muddle and jack what about jack i'd like to see him again but if it's not imminent i won't bring him back just yet the boy is doing well but he is not his own master and has just had a holiday i must be unselfish in my last days but you must promise doctor not to let me go without seeing jack my dear fellow it is not a question of days at the worst it will be weeks possibly months my own opinion is two or three months but we shall know better after barrett has been down i wish you had not asked me it's the hardest work i've ever had to do to tell you this but for the children's sake if there is anything to be done you ought not to waste time i understand said the major quietly then suddenly a light flashed across his face and his eyes sparkled as with joy i shall die at knock he cried i shall not have to turn out after all it was that that drove me mad o'brien 
the thought of leaving the old place where i was born and all my people before me i had bad news from the bank and it seemed as if the end had come at last and all the time i was riding i was feeling desperate driven into a corner the poor beast tried to save me she knew the jump was too much for her but i was too reckless to care i felt that i could face death sooner than leave the old place and now it has come to that after all i shall die at knock thank god for that go downstairs o'brien and tell the girls that i know the truth and am quite happy you needn't mind leaving me i shall sleep now End of chapter 26